Okay, so today's Daily Cyber is going to be very interesting. We're going to be talking to Catherine Moore, who's a social worker in the United States. Uh, we're going to be talking about the mental health issues and concerns around COVID-19, what she's seeing from medical professionals, as well as what's going on in the general population from her point of view and who she's working with. So this is going to be a really interesting episode, uh, specifically about mental health. So grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's hack at it. So hi, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Brandon? Not bad. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a level of excitement, but also concern with the COVID-19 scenario and everything that's going on, right? Yes. Yes. I'm just excited to be here to talk about everything going on with someone who is um, kind of on the outside and not directly in my family or close circle. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's kind of challenging, right. To be able to have certain conversations because you got to be careful. Like if you say too much, people get fearful and worried. And I mean, this is kind of our conversation today, looking at mental health and the concern of it, because we're seeing this, the posts on social media, we're seeing the actual mainstream media. And if you consume all that, I mean, most people would be sitting in a chair, just rocking away. Oh my God, I don't want to go outside. Yes. With yes, their, with their toilet paper, of course. Yes. <laughs> Massive about the toilet paper. <laughs> So as a social worker, what are you seeing through this COVID-19 pandemic? So there's a lot, a lot of changes going on. A lot of fear. A lot of it boils down to fear of the public and fear of the unknown. This COVID-19 virus is new. We've never seen anything like it. It's shifting the way our society is operating, and it's really forcing us to change and honestly kind of pushing us to the brink of, of coping. It's, it's making us really focus on all of our, I would say, I mean, I focus on the strengths, on the things that, that we have, but that's my coping mechanism. A lot of people don't have that. It's taken me years to condition myself to look at the good things going on, Right. which in social work, there's so many bad things. You meet people who just seemingly have nothing going for them, but you, you have to find those good things. So that's what I'm, I'm used to doing. Right. So what I'm seeing is just a lot of people that are fearful and this leads to the scarcity mindset, the hoarding of toilet paper, of food, of meats, of canned goods, of everything, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And that causes anxiety. Right. Even for myself, I have all of these coping mechanisms and all of these tools that I know how to use and I use on a daily basis. But even for me, there was that day where I said, oh, no, right. I need to go out and stock up on my food. And me spending $200 on groceries bought me such peace of mind, just knowing that if I need it, it's there. Right. And that can go a long way. So if people really need to do that, then do that for themselves. As long as you're not hurting anyone else or stealing from anyone else, you're doing it in a respectful way, mm -hmm. then do that. Because it can go a long way in just alleviating that anxiety. And it's making sure that you're prepared. 
So right. we hope for the best, but we prepare for the worst. Now, talking about that, like coping mechanisms, and I really want to kind of dive deep because there's probably a lot of people that have fears, anxiety, stressors around the COVID-19 that might not have healthy coping mechanisms to be able to deal with the stressors. And like you said, they're hoarding, they're, you know, listening to mainstream news or even social media news, and they're getting all panicked, right? Like, what am I going to do? Like, this is going to go on. Some of the concerns that I'm hearing is that, you know, this is going to be going on for like six months to one year. The economy is going to crash, right? I'm not going to make any money. There's huge layoffs going right now. Like all these concerns are having, what are some coping mechanisms that you would recommend people start to look at for themselves, for their own mental health? So that's a good question. And I don't want to minimize any of the things that are going on because it is, it is a lot when you're looking at a job loss and bills that need to be paid. And those are things that are honestly outside of our control. And I would encourage people to focus on what they have control over. And that's your first thing is focus on what you are thinking about and what you're bringing into your mind. Okay. So it is good to be educated and know what's going on. but you don't need to be watching the news all day. Right. You listening to, to terrible, awful things all day and COVID stories. So listen to it for an hour or whatever time that you're comfortable with 30 minutes to kind of get the updates and that's it. So now don't talk, do it anymore. So let's talk about that. Should they f uh, be more aware of their emotion? If they feel stress, anxiety, then they should shut it off. Like, should that kind of be their benchmark and kind of measurement when it comes to their own feeling? Like once they start to feel that their heart rate start to increase, the anxiety, they should kind of shut off, walk away, do something else? It depends. So with okay. that, because it is good to be informed and the reality of situations, because I work with people who, who are very sick and they get bad news, like a cancer diagnosis, for example. Right. So you can't necessarily tune out of that conversation. So you have to, you know, absorb it and take in what you can. And the luxury that we have right now is we can turn off the news. Right. We can sh just log out of Facebook. So focus on what you can control, be educated, know what you have to do and do that. So for example, you watch the news. Oh my gosh, people are getting sicker and dying every day. That's right. That's what I see on the news. That's what I saw this morning. So I was like, okay, you know, no real big updates there. We know that that's going to happen. We know that that's a trajectory. So what can I do? I can stay home. I can not go to the grocery store. I bought two gallons of milk instead of one because I'm not planning to go to the grocery store for two weeks. Okay. And I know that, you know, things like that. So that reduces my anxiety by being prepared. And I tune out, I focus on what I can control. So I can control my family. I control my hygiene. I can control, um, you know, the, the news that I watch, the books that I read. I can focus on other things. So things like work, self-improvement, reading a book, watching a comedy, um, jogging, and go for try and do exercise. Um, that right there, exercise or getting your body into a different physiology is going to go a very long way in shifting your mindset. Right. Because at least for me, I'm not, I'm not in super good shape. 
But if I'm running, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me just try to go and go and go and breathe. And it gets me out of what all the terrible things going on and focusing on myself and what I need to do to just be in that activity, to be in the moment, which is mindfulness. Right. And then it, it, the it releases endorphins and so forth, which helps with, sure. these, with the stress hormones and so forth. So any medical professionals, any kind of, you know, personal trainers that are watching this, you can, you know, chime in about that, that exercise is, is so great to be able to help with stress and help with anxiety and so forth as well. Um, one thing we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, you mentioned control. Um, uh, I think right now we have to be mindful too, of, of what we consider is control too, of ourselves and the, in our, in our environment too, because, uh, we'll talk a little bit more and just to give people some context, we're gonna be talking about domestic abuse a little bit later, but having that control too is a control of yourself and your emotion, your energy, not too much of the environment and taking too much control over that. And like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit later because I think right now we're seeing a lot of anxiety and stress because people are trapped. People, you know, are in their homes. They can't get out there. They want to do things. They want to work. They want to go to the store. They want to go to the gym. They want to go to the movies. They want to do all this. But now it's, no, you can't. You have to be quarantined in your house, stay there. And there's all these restrictions coming down. So the anxiety starting to build. And those are great tips, I think, is eat right, exercise, you know, meditate, you know, read a good book, all those other things. And like you said, with, and I, the reason why I was talking about the news and kind of uh, cutting it off at a certain point, at a certain time, because I think some people start to go down that rabbit hole of watching the news, then going on social media and doing all this. And then the anxiety starts going, going, away, like, it's the end of the days. It's World War Z. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to see Brad Pitt running through in a second, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of analogy, right? But it's like, okay, hold on. Like, you got to kind of take in their facts. And then if you, you're getting too anxious, one of my recommendations, I would love to hear your opinions is, is go talk to someone, someone that's a mm -hmm. professional that, you know, can say and put it in context for you. Yes, this is going on, but you can do this. Yes, this is happening, but you can do that versus someone that is stressed out as well going, you know, there's no money in the economy. Oh my God, what's going to do? And they're saying there, I just lost my job. And now both of you are stressed together. It's true. <laughs> talk to people that can give you context, everything, kind of that energy. Yeah. So we consider that we can call that talk therapy, yeah. um, which is extremely powerful because when, especially with anxiety, all of our thoughts are kind of trapped in our head and going around and around and around. If we just simply say things out loud, it gets it out there. It gets it off of our chest, out of our minds, and it allows us to process it in a different way. So yes, call somebody who is going to be good for you. So there's people who are good for us and make us feel good and lift us higher. And then there's the other people who require energy of us. Right. That almost like take energy from us. Don't call that person quite yet. <laughs> you need to be in a good positive mind state if possible when you're talking to those people who drain the energy from you. But there are a lot of um, hotlines. There's, there's so many hotlines that you could call and just talk to people. And they're volunteers. They're people who want to talk to people like that. They, they are giving their time and they choose to sit on the phones waiting for your call just to talk to you. Right, for sure. And there's people who really value you as a human being. Um, this does not have to be the end all for people. And there are people who care about them, but it does help a lot to talk about it. 
I know a lot of people have told me, you know, why am I going to tell you my problems? That's not going to change anything. Right. You're right. I can't change your problems and I can't take them away. But what we can do is we can work on a new way of reframing your problems, figuring out ways to reduce them or eliminate them altogether. Right. Because when you're able to think clearly about a problem, that's when you come up with the good solutions. For sure. And I mean, one of the things I learned was what asking good questions, like first getting them out of their their primal instinct of fight, flight or freeze. Right. Because a lot of times they're in that emotional state where you can't think logically, you can't think, oh, I can do step one, step two, step three. And then I'm out of this situation. Right. When you're in fight, flight or freeze, it's you're running from a tiger. You know, do I get eaten? Right. Do I fight that tiger or do I sit there and get freeze and then eat? get eaten anyways, right? Like one of those. So you can't really think logically of mathematical problems, all that. So if you can talk to someone like yourself, you know, a professional, they kind of help you kind of deescalate and then be able to go, oh, so what about this? And then you're like, you know what? I could have done this, this, and this, and it would have been so much better. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And professionals are all over the place. So I work for a health insurance, uh, a medical group. So medical groups have social workers, the, um, I'm not going to send you to a hospital. Don't go there. (laughs) You have to, but they have social workers there too. If you happen to go there. Um, but they, they have hotlines, they have what you can call warm lines. I know I'm here in um, California. So they have one in each like orange County, LA County. There's probably warm lines all over the place. There's national um, mental health support lines that I can send you the information for if you for, think that your listeners would, would like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anything that would help, I know for you guys can Google this too, right? Google exactly. any helplines or, or, you know, support lines, anything along that mm-hmm. line. I know in Ontario, we have telehealth, which is for medical questions and concerns. I know there's different hotlines, like you said here. So mm-hmm. you, all you have to do is really kind of Google it. And there's a lot of support yep. out there. Family members, again, are really great to, to reach out to uh, friends that you know, you have that good relationship. So there's so many people out there, especially as we're all going through this pandemic. You know, and there's different support groups, too, in the sense of online. I'm starting to see Skype and, and Zoom groups where people are just kind of meeting up and just chatting. Right. And just mm-hmm. sharing their concern and sharing what's going on. So, like, there's a lot yeah. out there. Just don't feel you're alone. I know some of the signs and you can talk to a little about this is about depression. Right. Some people like to isolate or you don't like to. But as the feeling comes up, you isolate yourself. You don't like to talk to people because you're kind of, you know, going through that try to reverse that and start talking to someone immediately. You know, when you feel those feelings that you don't want to talk to anyone, you want to kind of be isolated. It's true. It's true. That is one of the first signs. The other signs would be the signs of depression is that you are no longer motivated to do the things that you once liked to do. Right. So if you like to watch, you know, whatever TV show and you're like, ah, there's no point. I don't want to. That's a red flag. If you, if your eating habits change, if they increase or decrease, if you are sleeping more or less than what you would normally do, that's going to be a big sign. So it's important to check in with ourselves and see and reach out to people. You know, you would be surprised just the amount of love and support that's out there if you just reach out. And it's not even going to be in one avenue. It's going to be in multiple avenues. So and all of the supports that you can get, bring them all in. And right. this is what I do. I have to do it every single day because I'm, I'm around it and I'm kind of engulfed in the COVID-19 conversation every single day. Um, at the end of the day, I 
I think like, okay, is there someone that I can call that lifts me up? That's going to be my sister and maybe my best friend. Um, my husband, I talk to my husband all the time, but he, you know, we each need, <laughs> we need our space sometimes because we talk to each other all day, every day. And it's like, anyways, <laughs> yeah, you need, the good, but you need the healthy balance. Exactly. It's good, but we all need more than one, one person. We can't rely on one person to be all of our emotional support. Right. So I encourage him to go out and reach, reach out to his friends because Everyone that you reach out to in each different avenue is going to give you something a little bit different. So friends, um, supportive groups online, you can call the hotline, you can um, reach out to your local group or I mean, church group and congregation. If you're, if you're connected to any sort of support group, AA, NA, you know, tap into all of those resources um, because right now is when we need all of the help that we can get. For sure. For sure. Now, I, I'm kind of changing gears. Here. I want to talk a little bit about the medical professionals. Like we're seeing a lot of like what's going on in the news about the medical professionals, the nurses, the doctors being like overworked. You know, what are you seeing kind of in their mental state? And, you know, how's their mental health right now going through this? I cannot speak directly, but I would imagine giving what I know about about the situation and my personal experiences and seeing what I see on the news is they're in fight or flight mode. Right. And they're in constant, constant adrenaline right now. Right. Um, a lot of fear, which is it's legitimate because they don't know if, if they're going to get sick, if they're a carrier, if they're carrying it to their other patients and if they're carrying it home. Right. They are missing that personal connection with their family. Um, so I'm blessed that I, I provide telephonic support to our patients um, for mental health, you know, from my house. And I know I'm not being exposed. So I can hug my husband at the end of the day. I right. can cuddle with my daughter. They can't do that. They have to stay six feet away during this entire time. And that that physical connection, there's research supporting that we need like eight hugs a day right? to really be, um, to get, to just get like the endorphins flowing, like you mentioned before, but there's benefits to physical contact. And so, you know, to be honest, I'm really concerned about their own mental health. They're probably not sleeping very well. Um, on top of that, they may be feeling guilt right? about maybe like, oh, uh, I could have done more, you know, maybe I didn't handle it right. They have to see families and give them bad news every single day. Right. They have to, um, there's some now being forced to ration ventilators. And I, I couldn't imagine having to be on that, on, on that commit, that group of people who says, you know, who, who is going to live and who is going to die today. Right. And that's a really heavy heavy decision to have to live with and to have to do. So there's a lot of different factors going into the mental health of the medical community. Um, and I'm concerned about them. I mean, not only right now, because right now they're, they're going, they're on adrenaline, they're fight or flight. Um, the real, I don't want to say consequences, but there's going to be after effects. For sure. After all of this is over, you know, come hopefully summertime. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be over, but whenever it's going to be over, that's when they can hopefully relax a little bit and process all of the things that happened. 
And that's when we start to see things like vicarious trauma set in, um, post-traumatic stress disorder set in, and that could affect the way that they cope possibly for the rest of their lives if they don't get help and right. aren't allowed to process those feelings. But we also got the physical aspects too. Like that's the mental, but we also got, because of being in the fight or flight for too long, your adrenal glands start to drain out, right? Because that's where your cortisol levels are constantly coming from. So eventually that drains out and then affects like your liver, your kidney, like all the other you know organs in that area. So being under this much stress for that long of a time and period, because normally therefore like, you know, quick incidents, you're going to mm -hmm. sprint, you're playing a sport, you do all that, you get a little bit stressed and then they have time to recover. Well, these guys are going for 12, 18 hour, 40, even 48 hour shifts, if not longer. And they're go, go, go. Right. And like you said, they're constantly on this adrenaline rush, fight or flight on top of, like you said, not only just their work, but their personal lives of, I can't get little Jimmy or little Jane, you know, sick as I go home. What am I going to do? I miss my husband, my wife, my significant other. What about my family member? I have a senior citizen in my, my family or maybe someone that has an autoimmune uh, deficiency or, or issue. I can't be around them. Like, you know, constant stress from like I couldn't consider it like a 365. It's all areas where, you know, some of us deal with certain areas in our lives, but they're dealing with their whole entire life is wrapped around this now. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's really hard and they're in a really tough spot. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that they at minimum need, need the equipment that they need, you know, the face masks that are going to properly protect them and not put them at other risks for due to hygiene issues. I've heard that that's a concern having to use the face mask repeatedly and they're not designed for that. Right. And it can lead to other other illnesses as well. And I'm not too sure about all of the specifics on that, but, um, but that is one of their main concerns is why they're advocating for themselves now. And I'm worried that they're going to actually, you know, like, I don't want to, I'm not saying that they're going to protest, but, <laughs> but it, it wouldn't surprise me. And I hope they don't, I'm not spreading rumors, but um, well, let's talk about that. Like, and not you're saying anything, but I've been actually hearing on the news now that nurses are now calling in sick, right? Both ones because they're getting the, the virus and whatever, but also because they're so worried that they're, they potentially, if they go in, they're going to infect everyone. So they're so anxious about going and not having the right protection, not having the mm -hmm. right equipment to be, you know, vulnerable to being, you know, compromised, getting the COVID-19 uh, virus. And then who knows about the side effects after, but they're actually now starting to cut back like on their own shifts personally, not the hospitals, but we're finding a shortage. And I, I know they were talking in the news was uh, old age homes, right? Senior citizen care centers. Uh, some hospitals are having problems with this now too. So with the influx of patients and now the staff reducing themselves out of their fear, that's going to put such a more overload on the healthcare system. It's true. And the healthcare system is already overloaded. Right. It's already dysfunctional on a normal day. Um, and we are seeing, I'm seeing that too with the people that I work with is that they, they need legit medical care. Like maybe they're having um, some shortness of breath or some chest pain. And we recommend that they go and get it checked out by the doctor, but they're like, no way, right. no way, Jose, am I going to and risk getting getting sicker or or worse you know 
and like I'll just wait it out. And that's another concern that I have too is people not seeking medical care because they're scared or right. or because I don't know if they'll get it. You know, it's hard to say. Well, these are things that now they have like telehealth, they have your local hospital or doctors you can call in. Like there's all the other resources. If you're too nervous to go into the hospital itself and I get it, I understand the concern. There's other resources that you can call in and say, look, I have a fever. I have this, I have that. Mm -hmm. What do you think? And they can tell you, look, yeah, you know what? You need to go to the hospital or you know what? Stay home, quarantine yourself, you know, take care of yourself like you would normally do if you had the flu or cold and, and, and see how it goes. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they only, they can assess that. I'm not saying to do that, but when you do that call, at least they can give you better information before you just jump into the car and and go to the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't even know if they would take you, I guess it depends on the hospital, but they do recommend you calling ahead and only going if it is really an emergency. Right. And I want to put a context here for anyone that's watching this. If it is a true emergency, call 911. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> yes. Don't kind of go through the telehealth and all that and kind of wait. If you're having problems, breathing, respiratory system issues in, in that, call 911. Like, do that. Don't kind of, you know, wait and say, well, you know what? I'll just call telehealth. I'll wait on hold. It's a 45 minute wait. <laughs> I can't breathe. No, call 911. Like, right. <laughs> yes. But the, if you have changes or if you, um, if you notice slight, you know, something weird, you can call the 24 hour nurse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, It's available for you if you have health insurance. Exactly. And I know going back to the nurses and kind of the the challenges that they're having, I know I watched an article or I watched a a news article or a news video yesterday, I think it was about Spain. And they were saying that the nurses cut back in the senior citizens homes so much that some of the people that needed care stopped getting care and they started to pass away. Right. So, and these are the things that we have to look at if we don't look after, if we don't do the things that we need to do as a society of, you know, staying home, being quarantined, and there's an increase in the numbers, the nurses are going to feel stressed. The nurses are going to take care of themselves. It's understandable. And then also now we start to have this, you know, challenges of, you know, people passing away, uh, issues in the hospital. Uh, I was hearing about concerns about, um, you know, do care in the sense of people not getting the exact care they need because everyone's rushing around and just kind of quickly, okay, we'll assessing and, you know, doing Mm -hmm. the point. And then you're kind of being put in a gurney in a hallway and not being truly assessed. I know uh, a colleague of mine was talking about uh, one of their family members who had septus, but they took him in, had a cold, all that. And then they send him home, but they actually had from their blood work that they got a couple of days later, they're septic. Right. Mm-hmm. So and now, of course, knock on wood, they all came out of it. They were able to take some antibiotics and clear the system. But as we know, if someone's septic, that could lead into severe health issues and concerns and organs shutting down. So these are the concerns when, when a health system is overtaxed, things like this get missed. It's true. Right? It's true. And that's a very valid concern. Yeah. Right. And so- reality, unfortunately. And that's something that, you know, through this conversation, which is good as looking at that, we need to kind of have that conversation, look at, you know, and what I consider is the all we, I, we, and all concept. I is you look after myself, then you look at we as your, your local family, the all is the community. Right now, the all is very important because everyone is trying to do their part. And the ones that are not, you know, guys step up, kind of, you have to, you know, isolate yourself, quarantine yourself, do the 14 quarantine, make sure you're not going out and meeting and coffees and, you know, parties Mm -hmm. and all that and doing all those things. And that's why it's been so important to, for people to stay home and to do the self-isolation because if we, you know, like it's been said every single day, all day, if we can just slow 
the rate of this, then, um, then hopefully the problems that we're talking about right now will be reduced. True. Exactly. So, so now, see. yeah. So we talk about kind of the medical professionals with the general population, what, you know, going through COVID-19, what are your summer, some of your recommendations, you know, starting today and, and going forward? For, for, mental, for like mental health, mental you know, wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely set some boundaries around how much you're watching the news and how much of this, um, awful information that you are getting, um, set a limit on it and pay attention, like you said, to your anxiety level. So, and your limit may be different every single day. Sometimes I can, I can learn a lot and know, you know, kind of delve into it about what's going on so I can educate my patients. Other days it's a tough day and I just, I just can't, I just can't, you know, do any more and that's okay. Just, it's okay. Um, the other thing is reaching out. So relationships are extremely, extremely important. We all need relationship in our lives um, and positive ones, if possible. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid the, the people who bring you down or require more energy or make you more tired. Right. Try to find people who lift you up. Um, get out of your head and try to help other people. Okay. So if you can just think of ways that you can make other people happy. So send some cards to the local senior center. Um, you can volunteer. There's plenty of volunteer opportunities going on right now. I know I've seen some like um, you can drop off boxes at people like seniors homes or um, you could volunteer on a call line. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can serve. You can reach out to your neighborhood and see if there's anyone who needs help. I know for my neighborhood, they have um, started this chalk uh, artist side. They draw on the sidewalk with their sidewalk chalk and they make pretty pictures. So it's kind of nice just um, for people walking around outside. So right. just any little things like that that you can do to give back will make you feel better. Now, what about and scheduling? Scheduling. So definitely, you know, it's the boundaries. So um, set aside you can just create a schedule for yourself as far as like, okay, I'm going to allot so many hours to this, so many hours to this. And it depends on your goals too. So each of us have different goals that we're doing. So for me, my schedule has fortunately has work, but if other people are maybe looking for jobs or developing a new hobby or maybe creating creating their own business now, creating their, you know, it just depends on what your goals are. So get clear on your goals and what you need to do and make sure that you're in the right mental space to do that. Figure out what resources you 